Uh, real quick, hold on, Bobby, just come around here. Let everybody see you. Sorry, producer Bobby's yeah, here. So, um, Bobby's our producer. Lately, he's he's stopped cutting his hair and he's grown this obnoxious mustache. Um, and I think it's clouding his like judgment that he's been dropping the ball. It's like he's gone to 1970s. He's gone to the era where people didn't care. And he, he thinks that just because he's got hair and a mustache like that, that he can just bring that attitude back to 2024 well he doesn't smell bad so at least he's using have deodorant i mean i we hugged when i got here all right i didn't think he you know smelled like he hadn't had a shower in two weeks or anything <laughs> i've definitely he definitely showers once a week. <laughs> he's definitely at once a week or two. how many times do you shower a week bro uh two Are you two times it? a week yeah. Yeah. two times a week seriously two times, two times sometimes a week. i'm a two a day or... he's a he's a dinky boy wow 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 wow, wow. all yeah. right What's up? Well, uh, hi. Hi. One of the really uh, prevalent questions that I get is that, Jamil, I'm not doing any business yet. So I don't have this. I don't want to lie to my title company. I don't want to walk into a title company and be like, hey, I'm going to be the number one wholesaler in Tampa. And I'm going to bring you all these files. And I'm going to be your like your golden horse. Uh, I want them to know that I'm new. I want them to understand that I'm trying. I want them to know that like I have a real desire to get this done. But I need a little bit of help to get started and, sure. I, and I need to make some relationships. And they've been having a hard time having the title officer or the title company take them seriously because they're they're coming in and being honest. Right. right? And and uh, here's the double edged sword to that. Yes. In business, especially when things are busy, that could be how you will get treated. Unless you come through the door with Dina, right? The reason why we have Title Talk, the reason why we have this national relationship across the country is because when you are walking in as somebody that watches Title Talk, when you walk in as somebody who understands the relationship that Dina Jones has with myself and other people, and you can find the Dina in whatever area it is that you, because there's different Dinas all across oh, yeah. the country. There's only one of me. There's only one like me, right? But <laughs> yes. there's people in your role, yes. right? Yeah, I think 3,700 across the nation if I uh, at last count. What is your role? Well, in the sales capacity, sales capacity. So my role here locally is I'm our director of strategic partnerships and I oversee investor relationships and things like that um, from a real strategic advantage and then also on the lender side. Um, but there are different people in different roles on sales teams across the country. And I think in that capacity, we're at about 3,700. Okay. So there's 3,700. My mic's not working. Okay. Can, if you guys can hear me just... Give me a thumbs up just because we want to hear you all are freaking me out over here saying some of us can hear some of us can't just let me know if you can hear me. Um, anyhow, so going into that, people yeah. want to learn. People want to know how do they best open get get through the door. Right. So I just said come in through Dina Jones, but that maybe that's not the way. What's the best way that somebody can put their best foot forward to earn a relationship with a title company when you don't have business yet? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that starts with any relationship, right? Um, it's, the ba it's the basics of relationship building. So for me, it's make a friend, right? Um, and, and get to know them um, the way that you'd want somebody to get to know you. 
Um, definitely things to avoid would be like being a time suck, you know, um, people that operate at a, a very high level when Fidelity is a company that, you know, the people, they, they manage a lot. The people within our company, Let's they manage a lot. They own a lot of things. That means expectations are high too, right? Yep. So um, the people would- Multi-billion would, dollar organization. Uh, the owner of which also owns the Vegas Knights. I mean, yes. we're not playing around here, right? This is this these these are the big boys, and so yeah, when you walk into a big boy title company, you're gonna need to a understand emotional intelligence, right? Yes. So so let's let's break down emotional intelligence. Dina said number one, don't be a time suck. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, right? Don't <gasps> ask dumb questions. Right. Not just dumb. Not, maybe I said that wrong. Not dumb questions. Don't ask too many, too many questions that you can get answers to elsewhere. If you can Google it. Yes, don't ask it. Or go on, you know, Jamil's YouTube channel yes. and do a quick search for what is title? Yeah. What is escrow? Um, why do you need an escrow officer in Arizona? Like things like that. You probably don't need to ask those kinds of things. Right. right. But, um, you know, I would say don't be a time suck in the fact that like, being demanding um, can be a little bit difficult, right? Because we want to work with people and invest in people that we feel good about the relationship and that they're nice and they're kind and they're helpful because we want to be that for everybody too. So if you have somebody that at the end of the day, they really can't give you business and they're being aggressive and rude and demanding of your time, that's tough, right? Like that's definitely not using emotional intelligence. Right. So let's, let's, let's come in. First of all, we ask like necessary questions. We don't waste time. We are honest about our intentions we what's next we we i mean i i mean b basics right like schedule time schedule a 15 minute call um so that that's blocked in their calendar and you can and have all your questions prepared in advance um and then sometimes you know another option would be you know just send me hey when is the next time you're doing a meetup in my market i'd love to meet you in person somewhere you're already going to be so i can just introduce myself and then when you have that opportunity Make a good impression. Right. Make a positive impression and follow up and say something that's cool, that was memorable. Um, you know, you can use social media to your benefit in that regard too. Um, tag them on social media, say thank you. Um, I mean, just kind of basics. Yeah, basic, basics basic of relationship good, building. Exactly. Like, well, how do you how how do you court any relationship, right? Is mm -hmm. kindness, compassion, uh, empathy, understanding, and 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 really just trying to lead in value, right? Well, like how do you get a first date, right? Hmm. How do you get a first date? Well, you're single, so how how, <laughs> how, do, how do men approach you these days? What is that? What does it, it look like? Well, it can go all over the board. So similar to. Uh, the folks that we're talking about that are maybe a little aggressive on the uh, needing your time situation. I mean, it's all over the board, but I, in order What's to- What's the best pickup line you've had lately? Pickup line? Oh boy. Um, I don't get a lot of pickup lines. I think people that know me and see me out and about know that that kind of stuff, I see right through it for the most part. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. 
So no one's but, like, hey, um, hey, what are you, you doing I later? Hard money loans? Yeah, no, 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 never. <laughs> Was that? No. Nope. Hey, what's the difference between hard and soft money? <laughs> One's in paper form, I think. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't know what's wrong with me today, guys. Um, might but, be the Topo Chico. It might be the Topo Chico, but no, this is this is really good stuff, right? So, so really, just using your emotional intelligence yep. to understand what this conversation needs to look like, not wasting time, not being a time suck. Um, now, again, when you're talking about sending files to your title company, so you got your first situation where you've got a deal under contract and you're about to send the documents to title. Let's talk about that, okay? Pick up the phone, talk to your title officer and explain to them, look, I'm a wholesaler, okay? I'm submitting this file for you right now, but I'm not sure if this file is actually going to go through yet until I'm past my inspection period and I have and I have a buyer locked up. So I don't want you to spend unnecessary money on this file until I know I'm ready to go, right? That to me is how you take care of your title company. Yeah. No, right? I agree. How, I think that's how, how many times do you have situations with wholesalers where they will submit like four contracts, all cancel and nobody tells you. And then you submit, you started all this title work and done all of these things. Like how annoying is that? And how much, how much money does that waste for the title company? Well, to be honest with you, like anybody that's just going to send an escrow officer a file blindly, we're going to take the business. So we're going to say thank you, but they're not going to really understand where the relationship came from. And unless, you know, we're having a conversation. So if you are in Arizona and you do get a file and you would like to know who to work with, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, right? I'm going to try to figure out the personality type so I could play matchmaker um, and pair you up with the right person. And then when you get a deal and you're ready to say, okay, I'm ready. I mean, I help set up those expectations with escrow too, where I'm like, Hey, by the way, there's no end buyer yet. Let's do a pre-open so that the seller calls. They know escrow is open. Um, if they've got questions for you, um, you know, everything is prepared, but we're not going to necessarily pull the title report unless we need to based on something that you think, uh, might be a hiccup, um, before you have, you know, your, End situation figured for out. your ducks in a row. Yeah, for your ducks are in a row, right? Yeah. So, so, so be be honest with your title company, and and are, do people have to worry that okay, if I come and tell my escrow officer, hey, look, I'm I'm not sure about this deal until I have my and my exit strategy figured out. So don't go spending any unnecessary money pulling title reports and whatnot. Very respectful. Will that escrow officer then go and wrap me out to the agent and all the other people in the in the file saying, hey, this guy doesn't want me to do any title work until he's ready? No, absolutely not. Right? Because they're not party they're to neutral. that. They're yeah. neutral. Yeah, so, they're neutral. So I, guys, I write this one down, okay? If you're, if you're taking notes, please write this one down, is make sure you're informing your title company of your exit strategy and letting them know not to prepare or do any title work until you have determined whether or not you have a buyer or not. It is one of the most, it's the fastest way to keep your title company in love with you because- they won't spend time. They won't spend money. They're not going to waste anything until you're ready, right? So that's that's yeah. a really big part of the piece, right? A big right. piece of the pie. So so next steps, right? So we've we've got uh, we we know how to effectively and respectfully open files and how to mitigate waste. Okay, 
Along that manner, though, you may not know. I mean, if this is your first deal and, and you are new, you may not know what options you have based on that particular situation. So it's okay at that point, too, to say, hey, couldn't this be a wrap? Can this be subject to? Can this be, you know, wholesale? Like, you can totally ask those questions out of the gate. That's absolutely okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should, right? Yeah. Because if you're going to do... Don't be afraid to ask those kinds of questions. 100%. Like, if you're going to do a specific type of transaction, a wrap, sub to, wholesale, whatever that is, you want to first make sure that the title company knows how they're doing, how to do that stuff. B, if they feel like that is even a possibility on that kind of deal. For instance, you might have a VA loan, and right. that VA loan may not be able to be done sub two, right? So, or they, this title company might not be able to do a sub two on that VA loan. Some do, some don't. Whatever it is, it's you know, we we're not here to we're not here to have that debate. However, make sure that you're asking the questions that are pertinent to that type of transaction, right? Now we're in the file. Okay. I've, I've submitted the file. Uh, you title officer has my purchase and sale agreement. Next thing they're going to want is earnest money. Yes. Okay. Now I'm a new wholesaler. I don't have earnest money. So you're calling me and I'm not picking up the phone. Okay. You're emailing me and I'm not responding. Okay. And you're trying to get EMD for me. And you can't. What does that do to our relationship? Well, in this particular situation, like if we were pre-opening and you guys have the contract direct with the seller and we don't have the buyer yet, that's okay that there is an earnest money at that point, right? Okay. Um, but if you have a new wholesaler that you're going to be letting be your buyer in this particular, that's kind of where you're going, right? Well, I, I'm just talking about opening escrow and like, Funding EMD on files. Yep. Oh, okay. Because there's just that's happening a lot these days where people are just not putting in EMD. Yes. And and, and we that, don't like that. And that puts the title company in a pretty yeah precarious spot, right? Because right. your job is to make sure that that EMD gets in. Absolutely. I mean, technically, it's the parties of the contract are supposed to abide by the contract, but we kind of have to manage that, and uh, it's yeah, it's consummation. Yeah, that's so what she's talking about in contract law, right? Consummation is the contract needs to have consideration, right? In order for a contract to be legal, there needs to be an exchange of things, right? And so you might be selling, I'm here, I'm selling you this property. And in consideration, I'm putting this deposit down that makes this contract legal. Without consideration, a contract is not it's not done. So similar, you go to the grocery store, you're buying Topo Chico, you give them $5. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. You, you, it's you're an exchange. You're the exchange, yeah. right? So, so that's why these EMD is important. Now, you've heard of the, the gator. I was going to say, how many gators are in the audience? There's definitely audience. gators in the audience, right? And so how, how, how complex has that made the situation for EMD? It's easier, I think. It's easier because, because you can get the money faster. And you're getting it from a third party. Right. Now, there's documents that need to be signed in order to protect the person who's going to do the third party deposit. Have those documents ready, right? Yes. Make sure that you explain to the title officer, the escrow officer, what those documents are for and make sure that they're understanding of where these documents need to be attached on what file. Because again, if you're borrowing money, from a Gator lender, and you haven't secured their EMD, shame on you. 
Shame on you. You should never be taking somebody's money to fund your escrow and not have thought about how you're protecting their EMD, right? That is, that is hands down one of the worst things that you can do. For instance, in Florida, Florida is- They're full of gators. They're full of gators, but this is the other piece. <laughs> they're, they are um, mutual cancellation state, meaning both buyer and seller have to agree to the cancellation in order for the cancellation to happen. So if you are borrowing $5,000 from somebody from e for EMD and you cancel and then the seller jams you up and says, I'm not signing this cancellation, I'm going to take you to arbitration. Now this person's five grand is stuck in arbitration for months and months and months. And we don't know if they're going to get it back. Right. So how do you protect that? Well, you have them sign a unilateral cancellation clause that strikes out the mutual cancellation clause, which gives you the right to cancel unilaterally. But you have to know these things and you got to get these documents signed and prepared so that everybody is aware of the rules of engagement. Yes. And if you don't do that, you're going to put not only you, but you're going to put your gator partner in a pretty bad pickle. So. So let's ask our audience here. Drop a gator emoji if you are a gator, because we want to see how many of you guys are out there, first of all. And then second, for those of you that are maybe totally unfamiliar with this term, can you just break down the basics of what a gator lender is Absolutely. and why somebody should consider that? Well, you know, gator lending is this idea that this concept that Pace Morby originated. I mean, he's a he, he's he's an awesome guy. Regardless, shout out to Pace. Shout out Pace. But Pace Pace realized uh, there was this need in the market for new investors to get their hands on earnest money when they want to write offers, right? And because a lot of new people don't have access to $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, or $10,000, whatever that earnest deposit amount's going to be, what he has made is a business model where people who want to be more passive in real estate, so they're not trying to look for deals or look for buyers, but they would love to be able to just throw you know, $2,000 EMD into a deal and then maybe get $4,000 back, right? So they make they make a portion of the of the money just for loaning pretty much secured non-risk loans, right? Mm -hmm. Because if it cancels, you get the EMD back. So what a brilliant, what a brilliant model, right? It's really it's, we have we have a ton of gators in here, right? So you've got all these gators in here that are that are loaning money. And the what a gator is, a gator is somebody who says, okay, I'm going to give you EMD. So say, let's just, for instance, Bobby, right? Bobby wants to buy a house. His hair looks like it doesn't belong on Back a gator. Hair. Right? <laughs> Bobby wants to buy a house for him mm -hmm. and then another house for his hair. So so he's <laughs> he's he's buying a house and he's, let's for instance, he's he needs $5,000 for earnest money. Okay. So he goes to a gator and says, hey, give me the five grand for my EMD and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use it on, on my contract. So Bobby does that and say Bobby wholesales that deal and Bobby makes $20,000. Well, now that Gator lender is going to make not only get their $5,000 back, but they're going to get a portion of Bobby's profits. So being a Gator lender is incredible because you get cut into a deal for loaning money, which is not even at risk. And the only risk that gators have is effing up the paperwork. So mm. don't do that. Don't F up the paperwork. If you F up the paperwork and then you reach out to Pace, he's going to smash you because that's not, he, he's taught you guys better than this, right? Make sure that you're, you're using all the correct documents. How do they get the paperwork? If like, this is a whole new thing, but they've got five grand like sitting around and they want to figure out how to 
so, leverage so that. Luckily, the people who are in Gator, um, they get access to all the documents. So Pace hired Sean St. Clair, who is mm -hmm. one of the, I've known the Sean best for my whole career. real estate contract <laughs> yeah. attorneys that exist. And he created all the documents for these EMD loans. Okay. So it's it's really it's a really robust program. Honestly, I'm super proud of Pace for having thought of it. Um, yeah, I wish I thought of it first, but I didn't. But it's you he, thought about some other stuff first. Yeah, though. it's all good. I, you know, I, <laughs> look, I that's my that's my dog. You know, so I'm I, I'm I'm always happy whenever he's winning because you know we're a team, and when he wins, I win. So, um, but it's good. Like, and it and it's really helped so many people do business, and so I'm I'm really grateful for all of the contributions that you know the Gator program has done for the real estate investing community. And so for those of you guys who are uh, new to the space, I would definitely recommend asking, you know, the escrow officer that you're working with um, in that particular transaction. Number one, are they investor friendly? And number two, are they used to using third party funds? Because that's essentially what this is for EMD, right? A closer, I can't read. Is it um, a set amount? The, how does that, is it the percentage that they get back? They, they get, it, it's, it's, Determined, negotiated between the two of them, right? So maybe 10%, 20%, 30%, all depends on the deal. It probably depends on the assignment fees too, right? Yeah, like depends on the deal, depends on the lender. I mean, I think everybody has their own sort of set things. But the reason why he calls it Gator is because it's a chunk. And when Gators eat you, they take chunks. So he's like, you're going to give up a chunk of your deal, but I'd rather give up a chunk of a deal and make something rather than nothing, right? So it's it's brilliant. Now, yes, this will be recorded and posted on my YouTube afterwards. So if you have to go uh, to the restroom and poo, don't worry about it. You'll, it'll still be here when you come back. Speaking of that, um, to answer the Cheesecake Factory question, no, I am not a huge fan. Wait, yeah. so you know all the drama going online about the Cheesecake no, Factory? No, but I was asked, Dina, do you like Cheesecake Factory when you're talking right, about dating we're talking Dina? talking about dates, and there was, this, <laughs> there, was this, there was this unfortunate situation where this nice man took this, um, like, a picky lady to... Dinner. I'm a picky lady. He, so he took, he took a picky <laughs> lady to dinner and they pulled up and she was like, uh-uh, you took me to Cheesecake Factory. I'm not getting out of the car. I'm not getting out of the car. Oh. And so she was just obnoxious. Well, that's kind of rude. I mean, it was super rude. Yeah. Like, like you have to be gracious. Yeah. Dude was like, uh, okay. And not only that, but she went like, she recorded it and went live on her. <gasps> on her on her social media is being like this band took me to cheesecake factory it's like be I mean, kind be yeah, kind it wasn't really nice he was trying it wasn't it wasn't so nice. you think that's why the cheesecake factory question came up that's funny i didn't know i you know i don't watch the news they were so they were i think they were just saying they were asking how fancy you are based off of the oh. way you dress i think they could all assume that you are not a big connoisseur of cheesecake factory i'm wearing cowboy boots today does that count Fancy. I don't think that anybody has ever worn cowboy boots into the Cheesecake Factory <laughs> ever. In the history of Cheesecake Factory, I don't think a person is, they don't even have Cheesecake Factories in Texas, do they? I don't know. Well, speaking of cheesecake, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. I'm famous for my pumpkin cheesecake, but I don't like to eat it. Will you make me one? Totally will. That's what I get assigned is baking at Thanksgiving. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. So we're in step two now, right? We've got, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just wanting to, because I, I, I think like going back to basics is a really interesting oh, I think so. it's an important piece mm -hmm. of, of this whole business and game, right? So we're, we've now got our file opened. We've got EMD, came from a gator or it came from me. 
And now we're in the process of the escrow, yes. right? And and in the process of the escrow, specific things happen. Can you kind of give me the timeline or what goes on from like open the file to uh, before we're starting to prepare closing documents? What goes on in there? Um, well, we've already crossed a few barriers so far, which is kind of fun, right? Yeah. We have a contract. Yeah. <laughs> we have money. Yep. So we don't have to chase that down. And then a lot of things happen. So um, our like escrow officers... For, the, for instance, the opening package. Yes. I ignore that every time. Because it's not as important to you as the closing package, is it? Correct. Because of the insurance. So piece. how annoying is it when your client ignores the opening package? If they don't want to read it, that's up to them. At least we're sending it. Okay. So, And if there are things in the opening package that are like red flags like typically reos are going to pick up the phone and call and have a conversation about something right that could be a potential situation or challenge so for example um we just had a file up in i don't paste in our pine tops one of those peas uh, and they gave us like a you know a two-day close and what the agent thought was because it was already opened with somebody else they could just transfer all of the work we'd done to the next person because it was a canceled file. But that's not the case. We actually still have to start over when it comes to pulling title and things like that. So that's kind of like impossible. <laughs> yeah, they think they can take all the title work that happened at another company and give it to you like you can use it. Or even at our own company, we still have to pull it fresh. Yeah. So even if one buyer cancels, another one starts, like we still have to kind of start over. So we manage the deadlines and we work backwards. Um, and then we work with a lot of our other ancillary services and other departments that help kind of support all of that stuff along the way to make sure that everybody can get to the finish line when they want to get to the finish line. And we manage those deadlines to the best of our ability. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, so we're in the deal, right? We're in the deal. You're, you're, you're pulling title reports. You send out the open pa the opening package. You pull a title report, and now you start asking questions, mm -hmm. right? Um, and some of those questions are: Do you have seller's contact information? Uh, do you have Do you have <laughs> yes. um, uh, what What are some other things? So yesterday I got one about um, we need contact information for parties of an easement that ended up being part of a conversation at the beginning of an escrow, right? Yep. So if there's an easement, then we need to figure out how to contact those people to make sure that they understand. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you so you needed all that so that you could make sure that everybody was on the same mm -hmm. page. Yep. Okay. So contact information, super important. If there's a spouse involved, they gotta know. Yep. <laughs> If you're buying, if you're buying in an LLC, something that I found which is really interesting is you guys need operating agreements, right? And all of the LLC docs. You're yes. gonna need all my corporate docs. You're gonna need my um, corporate resolution. You're gonna need operating agreements. You're gonna need my articles of incorporation. So all of these things are needing to be sent to you if we're a brand new. Right. And it, honestly, I would even recommend, and, and I've done this with many people that I've met through Title Talk specifically, is, you know, let us review your contracts before you even find 
a seller who says yes to you <laughs> because we want to take a look at that and make sure we're comfortable with that. Yep. Um, and we want to review all of your entity docs. We want to basically create like a profile for you so that everybody's on the same page so that when you do get a deal, everything's there and then the process is seamless. So Entity docs, LLCs can be semi-complicated because you might have a lot of other people that are required to be signers. And there might be situations where we could bypass some of that stuff and fast track it. There you go. So again, you want this thing to close on time. Make sure you've got all your entity, all your corporation docs, everything in good standing. Um, a certificate of good standing, that has been something that has uh, held up a deal for me because I forgot to file my annual return. Renewal. <laughs> Renewal return. <laughs> right, my annual return. And that's not my tax return, which I, this is where I got confused. I thought, well, I filed my taxes. And you can file those late, no problem. Yeah. But why do I have to file an annual return in Arizona? Well, you do. You got to file an annual return every year, which basically asks you specific questions. One of them being like, did you get arrested? Have you been uh, you know, convicted of any fraud in the last year? Have you... I convicted somebody of fraud. You could say that. Right. But there's, there's, there's different questions they ask. They want to make sure that you're still in good standing, yeah. right? And, and you're still a, doing business. And, yeah, and you're still doing business and there's a fee to pay. So if you don't get that certificate of good standing in, you may not be able to close in time. And that could create all kinds of problems for your escrow as well. So like making sure that your entity stuff is in place and in good standing, super important so that you don't run into any chocolate during your, um, you know, during your deal. But again, one of those things that I think a lot of people forget about, right? So you've got your entity stuff in, in order. Now, if you're a wholesaler and you've assigned to a new buyer, you've now entered in a brand new party into this situation, right? Most wholesalers will just send an assignment to title and say, deal with it. Which becomes pretty problematic, right? Because you need to know who is this person, how much are they buying it for, what is what is the deal, how do we, when are they depositing earnest money, what form are they depositing earnest money in, what are the terms, is it non-refundable, is there an inspection period? There's all these things that are necessary pieces of information. So if you're assigning a deal to a end buyer. Is it necessary to call the escrow officer and inform them of what's going on? I think that it would be a best practice to call your escrow officer throughout the process when you know what you're doing next. So everybody's on the same page. Even if it's something as simple as, hey, by the way, here's the next phase. Here's the next person that's going to be assigned this contract for this particular term they need 24 hours. So I just want you to be aware this is forthcoming, right? Communication is the key to success. For 100 sure. agree. 100% agree. And, you know, transaction coordinators in, uh, in a file or make things a lot easier, right? Absolutely. You know, I've got it. I've got incredible got a hub oh my God. of rock stars. I, got a hub of rock stars. <laughs> I mean, listen, Tori. Oh, oh I love her. Gosh. She's like, who, she's on it. She it, it could, she does the work of like like ten TCs. I sometimes kind of wonder like are these just programmed emails that go out like this many times a day like on target or is she personally doing that because she is it. a rock star. She is personally doing it and she's keeping everybody in line. She's making sure the buyers have well. We'll get into that later. So your my 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 
my transaction coordinator. And again, we just had a comment in there, always get a top tier TC. I absolutely agree with getting a top tier TC. Um, you know, that, agree, that's Sarah. actually uh, an, an incredible organization too. top tier TC. Shout out Molly Tennant. We love you. Oh, that's um, the name of the company. The the company. Yeah, All right. They're really good. Um, affiliates of Pace Morby, wonderful human beings. I love Molly very much. And so highly recommend them for anybody that. And is that for non-licensed investors, wholesalers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And the reason I ask that is because typically if you're a licensed investor, wholesaler, um, you have to use somebody that's within your own brokerage. Correct. As a real estate agent. So yeah. that's yeah. Cool. It's for unlicensed folks. Cool. For sure. I love it. Um, so top tier TC, great, great um, organization to work with. So you're in the deal. You're, you've assigned to a buyer. Now your buyer is getting a hard money loan. Okay. Womp, 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 womp. So what are the things <laughs> that need to happen in this process? So, Typically, we think that, oh, the buyer's good. He says he's getting a loan. I'm going to stop paying attention. That's not the case. No, 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 so no. What would you suggest a person, a wholesaler do if they're selling to a buyer who's getting a hard money loan? What What are some proactive things that we could do I mean, to make proof sure of that funds. funding is going to happen? Proof of funds with a deal up to whatever they're willing to loan to you on that particular transaction or in a general, you know, setting like you might have some hard money lenders that are willing to say okay i'll give this guy two million bucks on any asset because you guys have agreed behind the scenes that you've got specific terms locked in and they're willing to do that so the pof is super important um like loan terms making well, sure that loan terms yeah, have been, have been uh, yep. approved and and that this lender is actually planning to lend yes um, also you know confirming that the lender is legit Yes. <laughs> right. There's, there's there's all kinds of phony baloney lenders out there. So and you know, I feel like we're pretty fortunate here in Arizona. I mean, we deal with most of the good big ones. Yep. So if we see some random company we've never heard of, we're gonna do a little of our own research yeah. for sure. Yeah. But if it's one of the regulars, you know, we know that they say they're gonna give you the money, they're gonna give you the money. Right, right. So making sure that the funding is going to be in place, the people are are, are doing their parts. Um, but now we get into this like an interesting part of the escrow, right? Well, you still have to be able to have the hard money guys say yes to you at the end, which then is insurance. That comes into play about that stage. Correct. That's where you got to make sure you have your insurance exactly. in place. Where the buyer has their insurance in yes. place. How many how many files have you seen get hold, held up because people didn't get insurance? Too many. Is that one of the number one reasons why a file gets Especially held up? Especially with on somebody a new. Yeah, I mean yes. Number one reason. What is the fastest that you've seen insurance get created? Oh, almost instant. I mean, with some of the carriers that we work with, but yep. you know, we don't, we're not in the business of necessarily recommending on the escrow side. So like you might be new and not even realizing that's something that you need. <laughs> um, so when you're developing your title relationship, I would also recommend you develop your partnership with your insurance provider mm. in addition to your hard money lender, if that's the route you're going. Right. So these are all relationships you want to have established well before you have a deal. So funny enough, 
the relationship that I have with my insurance company and my insurance provider, you know, I've already always used the same lady. Uh, no, I actually, that was on my um, questions for you today. Yeah. What's I, your insurance relationship look like? I know your title insurance relationship, yeah, on, but on, your other insurance. Yeah, my other insurance, <laughs> I, I, I use the same lady okay. every single time um, because she asks me minimal questions. But guess what else she does for me every year? Every time a client of hers cancels an insurance policy because they're or about to cancel an insurance policy because they're, they're planning on selling or they inform her that they're going to sell, she says to them, what's the what's the purpose and what type of property I might have somebody that you should talk to? Ooh. And she refers me to them as a potential buyer for their wow. home. Listen to this. When, when there's a death benefit that gets paid out and there's a probate property that has insurance on it, guess who she recommends they talk to to buy the property? Me. I probably do six transactions a year on my relationship with my insurance company. Those six transactions probably- Exponentially they, they, turn into other business. Well, they, like, they, they probably earn me $300,000 a year. Awesome. Right? So again, I could only do the deals that my insurance agent provides me and I would make 300 grand a year. Just think about that. Just one relationship. One relationship. But how smart is she? For thinking about you because you're also solving a problem for her client. Exactly. So this is again where I feel like, you know, we talked about emotional intelligence at the beginning of, of Title Talk today. And this is how you guys are leveraging the relationship you have together to help each other grow and also help 100%. your communities grow. But that's super smart. Yep. And I and I refer her to other people because I say, hey, if you're gonna do deals and you need to do stuff quickly. I, I, I recommended her to my auto broker. So I, I don't buy vehicles from dealerships. Okay, I've, I've been sitting in your kitchen when somebody's came to sign you on a car yeah. and I'm like, what'd you buy? And you're like, there's a thing in California. It's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah I buy, so I have a really cool way to buy cars, right? I buy cars in Oregon that get titled in Oregon and then they ship them to me here in Arizona. Just so happens that when you buy a car in Oregon, there's no sales tax, which is probably why you're buying them there, which is why I buy them <laughs> there. And the sales tax for the vehicles that I typically buy can cost can run anywhere from 15 to $30,000. Right? So I save that immediately. Next, my car broker will always get me five to $10,000 off of MSRP. So I save five to 10k off MSRP, I pay no tax, which typically saves me Anywhere between fifteen to forty thousand dollars off of the the price of my car, and in exchange, I pay him three to five thousand dollars as a fee. That seems cheap. Very cheap. And get this, I don't have to go into a dealership and go through the whole like brain damage of having to deal with the snakes <laughs> yeah. in there. The yeah. bank comes to me to sign. Oh, I watched. I watched it. I'm like, you're like, this will just take a minute. I'm like, yeah. what? You're buying a car right now? <laughs> yeah. The bank comes to me to sign me. And then they they deliver the car to my house fully detailed, fully cleaned. Like it's like it's the most white gloves. You you did that. I I, I hooked Bobby up on with my how how what was that like, bro? It was a delightful experience. I'll tell you that. Was that like the not the most incredible car buying experience you've ever dealt with in okay. your life? It most gangster. people don't say car buying experiences are delightful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
if you're in the audience and you can say, I've had a delightful car buying experience, put your hand up in an emoji, yeah. please. Because yeah. I think it's very rare. I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I'm with you. That whole experience is not my friend. Um, Tesla was a different deal, though. Tesla's shit. <laughs> Tesla was a different deal. Um, here, here, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So, Sorry, December that, that 2020. December 2020. Anybody remember that year? Yeah. That's when they told me my Tesla was ready. And I'm like, cool. When? They're like, uh, probably like next week. Okay, awesome. Great. Okay. Then they tell me, oh, no, it's ready on December 31st. I'm like, I'm going to be in New York. I don't have time to go, like, buy a car. Yeah. What does this look like? And I'm trading in a car. They're like, you pick it up on this day or you have to wait six months. I'm like, well, I'm going to be in New York because I've got a trip, a bucket list trip with my girlfriends. So I was like, what do I do? I was so conflicted. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna just redirect my flight. I'll still get there before, you know, the midnight thing yeah. in time for the party. I was like, you have two minutes. You need to open up early and you have two minutes of my time. I was out in a minute and a half. And you got the car? And I, Well, I got the car. My parents drove it home for me because I went to the airport. But yeah. <laughs> I've just heard such horror stories from Tesla, like service and all that, like that it's like one of the worst oh, I've companies had to deal with. No, I mean, only challenge was the battery part took a while to replace. Yeah. My battery went out, but that was and it. And it was months, right? Months. Yeah. yeah. Months without a car. Months without Thank a car. you. And shout out to my friend Danny Hickey, who has unlimited cars always and lends me his cars. But yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. So delightful experiences, car buying, not usually the same jam. So we're on a tangent. Yeah. Um, back to the, um, where were we? Oh, insurance, right? Insurance. So you get the insurance. You have that ready. So you make sure that that. That, Do it at the beginning, guys. Yeah. These are all the relationships. I feel like their power in partnerships really fast tracks your trajectory in any business, right? So if you're getting started um, or if you're leveling up, look at all of those things. Look at everybody who you do business with and, and build your tribe of trusted, true advocates, allies, like what you're talking about with your insurance provider who is truly an advocate for your business Big time. and sending you opportunities because you're also providing solutions for her people that are going to have to cancel. Like those are really, really important. Do it early, do it in transition, do it when you're leveling up, you know, going into fourth quarter, everybody should be leveling up their business. Anyway. Um, we should be looking at what is the best use of our time, talent and energy and what is the worst? And level that up, right? Couldn't agree more. We're at now the final stages of closing, okay? Our favorite stage. We've got insurance in place. We've got now worrying about scheduling the buyer and the seller to sign. Which is not your job, by the way. It's the title company. Yes. Show, right. So you guys have to track us down. <laughs> Which is the funnest part of this to teach, right? Because yeah. we have so many people that come to us and they say, okay, well, uh, here's where I want to schedule my person to sign. No, 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 no. We are going to tell you when it makes sense because we are dealing with all parties behind the scenes. So it's almost kind of like funny, not funny when uh, people try to tell us when they want to coordinate their people to sign because all the other parties might not be ready for that person to sign. Right. 
Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense, but there's a there's a loophole. What's a loophole? Mobile notaries. Ab well, yes, in most cases. Yes. But the person they might want to sign might be the person that has to be last to sign. But they do it all remote. And it's all it, yes. none of it's not all of it's like in like I we don't have to sign an order on a mobile. No, no, no. But it's really escrow's coordination. That's okay. going to make all of that seamless. And you're hundred percent right. Like we did talk about the remote online notarization mm -hmm. um, on that webinar we did a few weeks ago, right. which was super cool. And you and I hadn't talked about that, but right. yes, we literally have the ability to have somebody do this handshake, like handshake digitally, digital handshake to remote online notarized documents. It's, crazy so, worldwide worldwide so we can we can notarize online but you know they can also schedule mobile notaries now um i don't know if i'm allowed to say this uh oh say it <laughs> he's gonna say it <laughs> no matter what <laughs> but i don't pay for my mobile notaries what can okay, i allowed to say that i don't know okay it's so, about my pay grade I and i don't really look don't at that stuff so i don't know notaries they get paid for by somebody um it ain't me so Mobile notaries usually. Oh, you could totally say that because that's all contractual too. Yeah. Mobile notaries usually seventy-five to one hundred and fifty bucks. One hundred and fifty is probably average. Yeah. yeah. So let's call it one hundred. But I mean, it depends. If it's an in-office signing, pretty much all title companies are gonna waive that if it's in their office. Yeah. But it's a cost of doing business. Yeah. So I get somebody to come sign me. It's one hundred and fifty bucks. I don't pay it. Somebody eats it. I think it's the title company. But somebody eats it. Uh, maybe it's I don't. It's, I honestly don't know. I have no idea. Who, <laughs> I have no idea who eats True it. True story. I'm whoever, not sure. Whoever eats it loves me enough to say I'll take it. So, yeah, they'll pay the 150, they pay the 150 bucks, bucks all day long to sign. make a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's, it is what it is. So um, you're at that point now. Deal is closed. Okay. Deal is closed. But they're still not done. No, you got, no. 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 Because what's next? Recording. Recording and keys. Okay, so now let me tell you this. I've been in a situation where I sold a property to somebody and everybody signed. Okay. So dude signed, went to the house, started demoing. Hmm? Signed the document. Demoing what? The like house he bought. He he <laughs> he signed on the he signed on the closing docs. He's remitted the money, wire is in, signed. Then, because the house was vacant on lockbox, he just went to the property and started doing demo. Now, what happened was recording didn't happen on the Friday. It ended up getting pushed in to the, into Monday. And so the seller came to the house over the weekend mm -hmm. and saw that the, that the buyer had was working there and had demoed mm -hmm. Like walls, everything in Garages. three days, you can demo an entire house. Okay, like he's taking down all the sticks all on the, the outside, not just everything. the interior. He's demolished this crap. Like, this house is now a shell of what it was, right? And it turned into World War Three. World War Three, understandably. The, um, the wholesaler, you probably might know him. The wholesaler involved is Ron Baker. Are you familiar with Ron Baker? I don't think so. Okay, hothead. He's a hothead in town. Love you, Ron, if People you're watching this. aren't usually hotheads to me. He, he's, he's a hothead. So I remember <laughs> I was in New York City, 
um, we're talking about out. New York twice. Yeah, I've, I've been. I was in New York. I was walking down Fifth Avenue, and what's that cathedral? The really um, beautiful one. The beautiful one on Fifth Ave. Um, right by the Christmas tree. Um, cathedral on Fifth Ave. Which one is it? Saint Patrick's. Saint Patrick's. So I'm at Saint Patrick's Cathedral, and I and my phone rings, and I pick it up, and he's like, "What the f are you doing?" Your phone. My phone. Why is your phone ringing? Because he's calling me because he wholesaled it to me and I wholesaled it to somebody else. He didn't know about your second. He, he, well, mm -hmm. he knew that I wholesaled it, but we all thought everything had been done, right? And so, and I obviously knew that recording hadn't happened, but I didn't, right. my buyer didn't tell me he was going to go and start demolishing the house. And so he's like, your buyer is about to get arrested. The seller came to the property. It's completely demolished. He's still there working. He's refusing to leave. He says he owns the house. He says he's paid for the house. He's signed for the house. And now he's saying that he's not going to leave. You need to fix this right now. Oh, and it was your... Um, buyer. But, like, that's your fault? Like, you're not the one telling him to go out there and do all this no, stuff prematurely? No, but I'm the guy who he thinks controls the situation, right. right? And according to the buyer, he thought... Yeah, I'm in I'm in good shape. I signed and I've funded and I'm okay to do this, right? So so he um he 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 gets that he gets that all done and and you know yelling at me, yelling at me. Well, and you and I have talked about this. Like yes. these are things you learn early. Yes. Don't do. Yes. Don't do them. You got them out of your system early. You don't do them. No, no. No. I didn't know I didn't know how to handle that. What'd you do? I called the buyer and I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just working at my house. And I'm like, not your house. It's yet. not your house. And he's like, like, <laughs> he's like it, of course, it's my house. I'm like, well, you paid for it. Yes, you signed for it. Yes, it hasn't recorded yet. So you still technically don't own it. So typically it hasn't recorded yet because somebody was late to the party. So imagine having a surprise party, having everybody get there at like six o'clock um, the person who you're surprising gets there at seven and then this guy shows up at midnight. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And so here we are, he's demolishing this house and he's, he's now playing mad at me. He's like, I'm not stopping. Mm. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not stopping. And I'm like, listen, you're they're calling the cops like you're going to get arrested on well legally he you're, absolutely you're gonna could. get arrested yeah. for trespassing yeah he's like i am not gonna get arrested for trespassing if anybody's gonna get arrested it's gonna be them because i own this house i'm like well technically you don't own this house it's still in their name and he's like what cop is gonna have access to land title when i have my signed document in my hand i have a copy of my wire in my hand and i can show that all of this happened today who's gonna arrest me he's got a point he does except the maricopa county recorder is pretty great if it was in maricopa county for putting everything online really quick but the cops ain't looking at that no nah, nah, they're nah, not nah, going nah. to check nah, nah, all nah. that cops are gonna no, look no, at the two gonna, documents they're gonna, and they're gonna be like eh, it's a civil it's matter We're no no here. he's got a good point right. he's, like, he's got he's a like, good worst point case scenario jamil this is a civil matter and we'll handle it on Tuesday if, if it doesn't record. Yeah, but you might have the other party who doesn't even want to let it record because they're upset. And that's what happened.
Oh, no. So they then say we want to pull the recording back. And they want him to now reconstruct Why? everything that he demolished. Why? Because it was their home. To be however they're going to be. Because you know? the people are emotional. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's another tip. Don't get emotional. So it was a really interesting. It was a. How did it play out? I mean, now we've got everybody in the edge of their yeah. seats on Title Talk right now, live. So, like, how, and I don't know how this how played. It, how it played out was it recorded first thing in the morning on Monday. Uh, the email that the seller had sent to Title saying rescind the recording didn't get read, didn't get opened, and hadn't been. And the recording had already been sent in on the Friday. Well, yeah, the, we send in the recordings in, in real time. In real time. So there's nothing we can do. Right. Even if you've missed the cutoff, yeah. right? Um, there's nothing we can do. So it records. And so that's done now. Okay. And so, Ooh. yeah, so he, he Speaking wins. of ghost stories. Yeah. Ghost story. What about? This is a ghost story. Oh, this is a big time ghost story. Um, the hardest part of it was salvaging the relationship with Ron, mm -hmm. right? Because he's he felt like I should have had more control over my buyer that I should have known and that, 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 do. But you're innocent. But I hundred percent was innocent. Yeah. hundred percent was innocent. And I, Ron and I didn't do business for another two years after that. We didn't do business for two years after that because he was so butthurt about that situation happening. Um, you know, and that sucked, right? It sucked. But like, here's the thing. And the reason why I brought this up was Communication is really important. It's key. It's really important that you give expectations to people and that you explain to your buyers that, listen, you can't go in and do any work until the house is recorded. You can't do anything until we've given you the key. Yep. You can't just go get the key out of the lockbox and decide it's yours. That's not how it works. <laughs> no. Right? You've got it's to, totally you not. To be given the key. Yeah. Right? And so this was like a big learning curve for us, right? We learned so much in the process yes, of absolutely. how to do things and how not to do things. And, you know, again, guys, as, as new, new individuals in this business and, and doing this, these are some of the crazy things that can happen in title. These are some of the crazy things that can happen during recording. This is just some of the crazy buyer and seller behavior that you're going to find, you'll walk into, and you just got to be able to roll with the punches. Well, and you, communication is lubrication. I'm just going to be honest about that. Since she we said, started what? with dating and then we're ending with communication lubrication. is lubrication. I got communication is lubrication. It is. It's everything. So you guys just hit me with the whole process. Can you yeah. recap? Just a brief recap of like before. Well, we haven't. We haven't actually. Recording's not the last we, thing. We we haven't. Re Recording is the end, right? Well, okay. But not if this guy fights it. Well, it didn't. He couldn't fight it. Okay. He couldn't fight it because he couldn't it recorded, it. he couldn't pull it back, and so it was done. So start. You have your purchase and sale contract signed. Okay. You for well, first, you need to have a conversation with your title company, let them know what you're all about. You need to tell them what kind of transactions you're doing. You get a signed contract and you explain to your title company that you aren't wanting them to do any title work until you have a buyer in place. Communication. Communicate. Then you go and market. Once you do that, before you do that, make sure that you've deposited EMD into your title officer, making sure that if you're using a Gator lender, that you've got all the documents in place. The right documents. And after they say the right things. Done, after that's done and you've assigned the deal, make sure the assignment gets to the escrow officer. And then you've called the escrow officer to explain what's happening. After that, you now need to babysit the buyer. 
meaning you got to make sure that their lenders in place, that their insurance is in place, that all of the things that they're going to need in order to close on time are happening. Once all that's done, you're going to coordinate the closing, signing for buyer, signing for seller, and you're going to make sure that all of the parties are doing all the things that they're supposed to do prior to recording. Boom. So that is start to finish how you do this. JG says, Dina stole my heart today. She's ho they're hooked on you. JG, <laughs> communication is lubrication. Um, you're single, right? Oh, I'm not married. Head up, JG. I'm not married. Does that matter? All right. I, promise um, Dennis I mean, I feel like okay. I'm if I'm not married, I'm technically not married. So is it better to give <laughs> is it better to give EMD before or after inspection? It's, it depends. Yeah. Whatever your well, agreement you, says. Yeah, whatever your agreement says. But typically the way the contract works is you're always going to give your EMD first and then you're going to decide whether or not based on the purchase price that you need an inspection or you don't. Right. Um, absolutely contractual, whatever you guys decide, but money comes first. Is there a continuing education? Is that what CEU is? I think so. Is there a CEU for real estate agent for creative? Um, Dennis, I don't know if you're licensed. Uh, okay, so uh, creative financing, I think that PACE is a great resource in yeah. that space. Yeah. Um, uh, CE does definitely, I don't see a lot of licensed um, CE credits for. Yeah, Dennis, if you want to learn creative financing, just go to uh, Sub2. That's interesting. Like, yeah, I'm like, I just am working finance. on my renewal right now, to be honest with you. And there is nothing in there regarding investing or creative financing. Uh, Dennis asks, what's a good way to average or to estimate closing costs? Not hold costs. It's not her job, but closing costs. Holding costs, that's going to be like a lender question, okay. bro. So closing, how, do, how does somebody determine what closing costs are going to be? So we have an app that's awesome. If you guys email me, Dina, I want your um, closing cost estimator app, title talk at fnf.com. Uh, I will send it to you. It is going to totally free if you want the marketing component and the other calculators it will cost you i don't know like 10 bucks a year or something it's super cheap um i will tell you within the app it doesn't say the discounts applied to the market so if you're an investor here in arizona and you're closing with fidelity national title then we do offer discounts on um, which is a filed rate it's totally above board um, on both the escrow and the title, which is highly competitive. Um, it's not going to take into consideration the specific investor rates if you're a buyer of an investment property, but um, it'll give you the basics. And I always believe when it comes to those kinds of things, you want to over, like over deliver and under promise, if that makes sense. So Typically, you're pleasantly surprised if you use our calculators. Awesome. And there's a fix and flip calculator in there, um, all of those things. So just um, either DM me on social or send an email to titletalk at fnf.com. Put closing cost app in the subject line, and I'll send you all of that. Amazing. And then lastly, somebody asked, how do I comp? Well, Bobby just oh. put a really great video for you to watch. Robert, Thank you, Bobby. Um, where I 
I'm the king of comps, so you can learn on my YouTube channel. So make sure that you watch that stuff. I can I walk you through the appraisal rules. I walk you through how to underwrite. You should know, I, we I, I, should I, we consider doing something like that on Title Talk? I mean, nah, I feel like you do nah. this in so many other outlets nah, that people don't we come ain't here for that. On title Talk. Yeah. Nah. I mean, this ain't something about Compton. Comping on Title Talk. But there's a something comping you got coming up got, for Spookyville. Yeah, comp all Spookyville. the time. Spookyville. Yeah, I mean, I Nightmare on Deals. Yeah. Comping there do you want to tell people how to register for that? Yeah, guys, if you guys have not yet registered for Nightmare on Deal Street, Bobby's going to put a link in the chat right now. I'm going to be going direct to seller, calling homeowners. You are so good at that, by the way. It's fun to watch. You like watching that? Yes. I like doing it. Uh, make sure that you register for Nightmare on Delio Street. Um, it's going to be a fun day, a cu fun couple of days, and just going to be uh, prank calling homeowners. Is it live and um, digital? Like, what's the it didn't, last it didn't year? Go. I feel like it was in person at your office. So last year it was in person. Yeah. Okay. This year so it's virtual. I'm like, I feel like we did lunch or something, yeah. and like we came out and did all that. So this is all digital. This year, I'm doing it digitally, Nightmare on Deal Street. I'm going to be doing direct-to-seller comping. Um, uh, sorry, direct-to-seller calling, and I'm going to do them all in a Dracula voice. Hello. Oh. Hello. Ooh. I am calling. My name is Count Jamilio, and I am calling <laughs> about your property in Mesa. Ah, ah, Elm ah. Street. Would you like to sell it? Ah, ah, ah. Are you going to wear a costume for this? Yeah, I am. Oh. What are you going to be? The fake teeth? Like, huh? are you gonna do? What are you going to be? Dracula. Hey, real quick, guys. Cool. What should I be on? He's uh, Dracula. I vote Dracula. What should my costume be? Dracula. If you're going on Count Dracula voice, you need to be Dracula. What do you think? <sighs> you guys got to tell us. Tupac? I feel like he should be Dracula. Well, I think. With money signs. A lot of money signs and some Dracula and the teeth and the, you know. He needs to have him the blade. Yeah. Would be yeah. Him the talking through the teeth would be good. Uh, uh, uh. So um, I'm calling about your property. He's just talking. Is anybody going to be with you live in this? Yeah. I'm going to be doing it with Jenna Hoover. Um, and like, honestly, um, I just felt like she's, she, like, Jenna reminds me of a tall glass of milk. I don't drink milk. I know. But like, What's that if mean? you see her, you'd, if you see Jenna Hoover, you'll be like, that's a tall <laughs> glass of milk. So I'm. She's gonna dress up like milk, and I'm gonna dress up like a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, you want to be a cookie instead of Dracula? Even if the audience uh, says you, you should be a Dracula, can we gotta order that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> How fast? Can Amazon. You Amazon. <laughs> when does um? When does this start? Nightmare in Deal Street. When does it start? It's on uh, this Saturday and Sunday at 3 p.m. Can we um also talk about something else on Saturday? Yes. So one of the things I'm super passionate about, and so is Jamil. Um, is charity and giving back to the community that uh, we support. Yes. And that's one of the things that we ask mo many of the guests that come on here. If we have time to ask them, you know, the last couple of guests, we struggled to be asked that because they were just like, boom, 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 so much content, so many questions, we didn't get there. But um, if you guys are in Phoenix, um, there is the Phoenix Suit Project on Saturday night. It is a red carpet gala. Um, from six to nine, and we will drop the link, but it's the phoenixsuitproject.org. So what we do is we take suits off of men's back to help another man get into a job or a better job. And we partner. You guys give away suits? Yeah. Listen. No, and we partner with St. Vincent de Paul, and they 
literally help us place men I have who a closet are, full of fat suits. Dude, that fat suits, skinny suits, no, I mean, two not, old suits, like two I, short suits. Because I was like a, all a the lot things. bigger and they were nice suits. Like Zinnia, I've picked up like, about 20 bags of suits this I got week. Like, I got like uh, Hugo Boss suits in there. Dude, I got Armani suits I pick, in I there. Take, we take them all. What is the one with the... Um, I got a lot of nice suits. No, seriously. But they're all like way too big. Yeah. Fat suits, skinny suits. It's not you suit anymore. Your style's changed. You don't have to wear a suit anymore. I mean, I collected like 50 suits from a guy that's like, I'm retiring for the third time from commercial real estate. Come and get them out of my closet. I am not going back to work in this environment anymore. It's also... the ties, dress shirts, all of those things. And they're used to help men. Not they, they do a lot of cool things, right? They build their confidence. They go into an interview where they feel good in what they're wearing. I don't know about you, but if I feel good like in what I'm wearing, then I just end up presenting myself better. I've always kind of started personally. See, I'm, a, I'm a little opposite. Really? Yeah, because I look... Plain. But you feel good in what you're wearing. No, I don't. I I'm I know that I'm very fucking basic. But you feel good in it. No. You don't? I'm basic. I got a black tee and but blue. You jeans. like it. I like it, but it has nothing to do with how I feel. And mm -hmm. I feel and I look, I know I look so basic that that I have to present. That I have to, I have to show up instead of the suit. So it's a, it's a, it's an it's opposite. The it's the reverse psychology the thing. Talk for me. I'm going to talk for me. So these guys, fuck the suit. These guys, these you know guys, it yeah. changes their life to feel good about something. How can yeah. I donate? Is there a website or email? Um, yeah, phoenixsuitproject.org. Um, we give you a tax write-off. Um, you, it's an honor system. So you just put in there what you're donating, and then. We've got several drop-off points across the valley, but we have a big event coming up on Saturday from 6 to 9. Um, let me tell you exactly where it is. I've picked up so many suits this week. It's kind of silly. And also so fun. But that's on Saturday too. So it is at the Mountain Shadows Resort. And uh, my friend Randall Mills started this charity, I don't know, six or seven years ago, and I've been supporting him through the process. Um, it's the easiest thing to do, right? Clean out your closet. Um, because what it's going to do to somebody is change their confidence level and help them get a leg up on the next trajectory of their career. And what we tell them is once they get the job that they want and they need and they're able to really support themselves on that level, then they donate it back too. So <laughs> this guy says, uh, black shirt, blue jeans, basic $30,000 watch. And with that, guys, <laughs> we're out. <laughs> Later.